After the sermon, we'll sing Psalm 86, stanza 4. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The matter which has our attention this afternoon, the matter of praying that we may do God's will, has already been implicitly broached in the two previous petitions which our Savior taught us. In the first petition which our Savior taught us, we are taught to pray for the hallowing of God's name. And we saw in Lord's Day 47 that this means that we are praying that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and deeds, that in all those things, God's name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. If you think it through, brothers and sisters, that really is implicitly a matter of praying that we may do God's will in all aspects of life. And then if you think back to the second petition, your kingdom come, you'll recall from Lord's Day 48 that the Catechism explains that to mean that we are praying that God may so govern us by his spirit and word that we submit ourselves more and more to God. Really, that's a matter of praying that we may do God's will. We are praying that we may submit to God, that we may do his will. So it's been implicitly broached already in the previous two petitions. But our Savior makes it very explicit for us this afternoon in the third petition. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're going to look at this afternoon. As I summarize the message in this way, the third petition, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll know three things. First of all, the explanation of God's will. Secondly, the execution of God's will. And thirdly, the example in doing God's will. The third petition, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know three things. First of all, the explanation. Secondly, the execution. And thirdly, the example. The Lord Jesus gave us this petition, and we need to understand what he means. What do we understand by God's will? It's an important question, brothers and sisters, because I have heard this petition discussed in such a way that people essentially understand it to be a reference to God's hidden will. Something terrible happens in their lives. They are perhaps confronted by a serious illness 
or by a death of a loved one or a bad accident. And people think then that this petition means your will be done. That was obviously God's plan, his decree, and we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You sometimes hear that said with an air of resignation. Your will be done. But is that what the Lord Jesus is talking about in this petition? And the answer to that is no. That's not what it is about. It's about God's revealed will, not his hidden will. We're not praying in this petition that God's plan for the history of this world and God's plan for our personal lives and God's plan for the church may unfold as he has decreed. We are praying that we may do God's will. We are praying that we may live according to God's commandments. We are praying that we may submit ourselves to God's will. And that is something very active on our part. And the fact that this is what it's about is clear from the petition itself. Because the petition is... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If this were about God's hidden will, if this were about the unfolding of God's plan for the world and for our personal lives and for the church, really, the Lord Jesus wouldn't have had to give us this petition because God's plan, God's decree for the world, for our personal lives and for the church is going to unfold And there is no distinction to be made in that respect with respect to what is happening on this earth and with respect to what is happening in heaven. But that is precisely the distinction that this petition makes. And that points us into a different direction for understanding this petition. Because the fact is, God's will, his revealed will, is being done in heaven, but it is not being done on earth. And so we are praying that God's revealed will, his commandments, be done in our lives and in the lives of others. You'll recall that the Lord Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer within the context of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And within that context, the Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And that's something very active, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
In this regard, we can also refer to the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 24, where our Savior says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That wise man does the words which Christ taught. And you know that in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus unfolded the depth of the commandments. He said, for example, killing someone is not just an outward act, but it's also an inward act. What are you thinking about someone else? Have you killed them already in your thoughts? The Lord Jesus said, adultery is not just an outward act, but it's also an inward attitude of the heart. If you have looked lustfully, explained the Lord Jesus, you've sinned against the seventh commandment. That's all about the will of God, his revealed will, the Ten Commandments. Now you might ask this afternoon, well, maybe so, but what then about the Lord Jesus? What then about what we read this afternoon from Matthew chapter 26? The Lord Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his arrest, and he prayed to the Father. We read then in chapter 26, verse 39, that our Savior prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, that sometimes these words of our Savior are understood in the sense that perhaps the Lord Jesus spoke those words with an air of resignation. In the sense that he was praying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but, well, if it isn't possible, let it go the way it goes. But that's not how the Lord Jesus was praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Lord Jesus was praying with respect to his active obedience. He knew what the Father wanted him to do. It had been revealed to him. That's why he had come into the world. But he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In other words, the Lord Jesus was praying there, Lord, Father, Grant that I may submit myself to your will. And in that prayer, you see the humanity of your Savior, that he was really one like us. And then you also see the connection for your own life between God's decrees and praying about the revealed will of God. Because it isn't so that this petition has absolutely no connection with God's hidden will, his decree for your life, for the world, for the church. There is a connection 
Because when it becomes clear to you that God is sending your life in a certain direction, when suddenly you are confronted by a serious illness or a sudden death in the family or a bad accident, then within that context, we as Christians may and must pray to the Father, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, namely, grant that I may do what is right and pleasing in your sight in these particular circumstances that you have unfolded in my life or in the world or in the church. And that's how the Lord Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus knew that God had come to the rescue of others when they were faced with serious situations, serious challenges, difficult callings. God told Abraham to take his only son, his only begotten son, Isaac, to a mountain to sacrifice him to God. And Abraham went. But God provided an escape. Suddenly there was an animal there that could be sacrificed instead of Isaac. King Hezekiah was sick, seriously ill, and he prayed to God. He prayed for escape, and his life was extended by 15 years. God provided a way out. Our Savior knew all of that in the history of redemption, and he prayed to the Father, Father, if it be possible, Let this cup pass from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Mark recounts it for us by saying that the Lord Jesus prayed to the Father, for all things are possible with you. And that's how the Lord Jesus was praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane. But when it became clear to our Savior what God's plan for his life was, that there would be no other way out, then our Savior submitted to that actively. And you hear our Savior saying, in the verses 45 and 46, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. In those words of our Savior, right after he prayed about doing the will of the Father, you see the Lord Jesus working that out in his life. He prayed that he might do the Father's will. And when it became clear to him that there would be no escape for him, 
he said to his disciples, look, the hour is at hand. Let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. He was going to do the will of God. He was going to face that challenge. After all, brothers and sisters, our Savior said at an earlier point in his ministry, as recorded in John chapter 4, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food. That means it was basic to his life. But he had to learn obedience. He was true man. And he prayed about that obedience in Gethsemane. That's why the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what was suffered. And he prayed about that obedience in Gethsemane. He prayed that he might be obedient. And that's how it is for us too. We pray in this petition that we may be obedient. We pray that just as it was our Savior's food to do the will of his Father, that it may also be seen by us that it is our food to do the will of our Father as children of the Father, as the redeemed. And so what does the execution of this mean? The execution of God's will. We pray that we may live in accordance with God's revealed will, his commandments. And what does that look like in practice? Well, it's very simple, brothers and sisters. It's about living according to the commandments of God. It's about his revealed will. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, we find an important verse in Scripture which touches on the distinction between the hidden will and the revealed will. Deuteronomy 29, 29, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And that's what the execution of God's will is about, that we may do all the words of God's law. Because God knows best. We confess that in Lord's Day 49. For God's will alone is good. That's a hard confession for us to make, brothers and sisters. That's a hard thing for us to acknowledge. Because by nature, we're all fallen people. And we are all very strong-willed and self-willed. We're all very set in our ways. And by that I mean the ways of sin. 
We are all very set on doing our own will. That's in us after the fall. We're conceived and born in sin and inclined to all manner of evil. But God knows best. And by praying this petition, we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that God knows best. Wasn't this a problem that God's people in the old dispensation faced continually? They often thought that they knew best. But God had to remind them that he knows best. In Isaiah 48, verse 17, we read, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. You could say, God says there, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is best for you. That's revealed to us in God's law. When parents deal with their children, they sometimes have to say to their children that they as parents know best because they know where it will end up. They've seen it before in the lives of others. Maybe they've experienced it themselves in their own lives. And they say to their children that they know best. We are children of the Father in the covenant of grace. And our Father says to us, I know best. Isaiah 48, verse 17. And I'm teaching you for your benefit. And the Christian who has embraced the Lord Jesus in true faith, who acknowledges God to be his Father in the covenant of grace, recognizes that through the working of the Holy Spirit and confesses that and therefore also prays Your will be done because it is best. And that's not easy for us to acknowledge. And acknowledging it is one thing, but putting that into practice is still another thing. Acknowledging it can be very theoretical, but putting it into practice is very practical. And so when you are faced with the daily issues of life. You are praying. Grant that I may do your will. In my marriage. In my work. In the church. At school. In society. Because you know best. And then the catechism makes reference to our office and calling. Our office. Our calling. Well, let's say that our calling is what we do in daily life. Your work your school activities, your task in the home, wherever God has called you. The things that keep you busy from Monday to Saturday. That's your calling. And let's say that the reference to office is 
The threefold office of all believers. That you are a prophet, a priest, and a king. That as prophet you confess the name of Christ your Savior. That as priest you present your life as a living sacrifice of thankfulness to God. And that as king you fight with a free and good conscience against sin and the devil in this life. You're praying in this petition. Grant that I may execute my office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. I think of what the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12. After a lengthy section in which the Apostle Paul unfolds for us what Jesus Christ has done for us by coming into the world, by dying for our sins, and that we may be saved by grace through faith. And then Paul begins in chapter 12 with the so-called practical part of his letter to the Romans by saying in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, that's what we're praying here. Lord, grant that I may test the spirits to see whether they are of you. Grant that I may discern what is your will, what is right and pleasing in your sight, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that comes just after Romans 12, verse 1, where Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, present your bodies. That means your whole being, your whole life, your whole existence, who you are and what you have. Present that all to God because that is your spiritual worship. And as you do that, says Paul, discern what is the will of God. And that means, brothers and sisters, that we cannot compartmentalize our lives. It means that in this petition we are praying that there may be a wholeness in our lives, that we don't end up compartmentalizing our lives, that we are one kind of people on Sunday and another kind of people Monday to Saturday. That means that in every aspect of life, our marriages, our family relationships, our work, our school activities our comportment in the neighborhood, our conduct as citizens, and all of these aspects of life. We are to do God's will. And we pray about that. Lord, your will be done in all those aspects of life as I live my life as a redeemed child of God. The petition also holds out an example. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
The reference to heaven makes our Heidelberg Catechism hold up the angels as the example that we may execute our office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. That's why the Catechism holds up the angels as the example in doing God's will and not Christ. Christ could also be the example. But because of that phrase, as in heaven, the Catechism points to the angels. Because Scripture repeatedly shows us the angels as God's faithful servants. Think, for example, of the night of Christ's birth. Angels came down from heaven. Because, as the Bible tells us in Psalm 103, angels are God's servants who do his bidding. In Psalm 103, verse 20, the same psalm that was quoted in the Lord's Supper form this morning, we have this verse, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. And they obeyed on the night of Christ's birth. An angel came down and announced to the shepherds, To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And there was a choir of angels singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men with whom he is well pleased. And when the Lord Jesus began his public ministry, we read in Matthew chapter 4 that the Spirit led the Lord Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And our Savior was tempted three times very severely and he withstood those temptations by testing, by discerning. What is the will of God? By turning to scripture and by saying three times to the devil. Scripture says. And then we read. At the end of that. And angels came and ministered to him. They were sent by heaven to minister to our savior. And they came as faithful and willing servants. And then I think of what we celebrated this morning. The Lord Jesus laying down his life. And I think of the reading we did this afternoon. The Lord Jesus in Gethsemane. Luke, when he records that, he tells us that when the Lord Jesus prayed, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. And Luke adds that an angel from heaven came to strengthen him from heaven. I think that's a significant little detail. This angel came from heaven. That means he was sent from heaven to this earth. He did not come from somewhere else on this earth. Because scripture does tell us that the angels are everywhere. But he came from heaven. At the command of the Father. To strengthen the Lord Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Because as we heard in the Lord's Supper form this morning. And that's also from Luke. The Lord Jesus was in so much agony. In Gethsemane, 
that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling on the ground. And that angel was there to strengthen him. He came when sent. And then on the day of Christ's resurrection, there was an earthquake. And that angel came. The angels came to speak to the women, to announce that he is risen, to also pass on that message to Peter that it was all right, that he was still part of the disciples and that God was not rejecting him because he had denied the Lord Jesus three times. The angels came willingly doing God's bidding. And the catechism says now that we may execute our office and calling after the example of the angels. That means willingly and faithfully. If you think about that for a moment, there is something humiliating for us in that. Because we are children children of the Father. The angels are servants of the Father. We are children. And the servants are held up to us as examples. That's because we fell. But as we journey to heaven and ultimately the new earth, we have this petition Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that because as people who have celebrated the Holy Supper this morning, we want to live in thankfulness as God's redeemed children. And we do that with this petition on our lips. Your will be done in my life. Amen.